2: Right now on FASA, a sizzling start to the summer. Stocks ripping higher in July. The Nasdaq up more than 12%. The S&P more than 9%. And the Dow nearly 7%. Can the rally roll on in August? Plus a Friday edition of Traded or Faded, breaking down the earnings action next week. From farm equipment to coffee to mobile payments. And later, our chart of the week. This home improvement stock has gotten drilled this week. That's a hint. Falling nearly 16%. Will it keep getting hammered or can you nail a bottom? If you buy now, I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ Market Site. On the desk tonight, Steve Grasso, Karen Feinerman, Jeff Mills, and Courtney Garcia. And we start off with a riveting rally on Wall Street. The S&P jumping for a third straight day, closing near its highs and locking in its best month since November 2020. The NASDAQ up a whopping 17% from its June lows. And take a look at some of the stock winners in July. Etsy up 42 percent, its third best month on record. Netflix clocking in its best month since January 2018. Ford and Amazon going all the way back to 2009 and 2007, respectively. So with big tech earnings and the Fed behind us, as the momentum continue into August? Jeff Mills, what do you say?
3: Hey Mel, so I think the reality is this, that we were kind of set up going into earnings for a little bit of a rally. I think expectations were pretty low. If you looked at S&P futures positioning, it was very, very short. So the market was coiled for this bounce that we're seeing. But I think now, all of a sudden, and not surprisingly, as prices have gone up, you're starting to see sentiment shift again. For the first time since April, bulls are outnumbering bears. You've seen inflows into stocks, inflows into high yield uh, in pretty large numbers here. but. I think the problem is is that right now you're only seeing 75% of stocks above their 50-day moving average. That's the fourth time we've seen that really since the top of the market in the fall of 2021. Typically, 90% is escape velocity, and we haven't gotten there yet. So I don't think we've seen that thrust. I don't think we've seen the breadth that is typically associated with the market now all of a sudden being able to move rapidly to new highs. And I think the, the important thing to consider, and the last thing I'll say, is that... Although it's been great, July was a good month, we are very much still within the context of a typical bear market rally. It's been about 28 days since the recent low, uh, magnitude of about 12 percent off that low. The average is 32 days with a move of about 15 percent. So uh, it's good. I just don't know that it sticks.
2: Jeff Mills, as always, makes a number of good points, backed up by various data points. Um, the question, though, Karen, is, is about the momentum is not necessarily have we hit a bottom have we hit the turning point in this bear market? Can we just simply go higher here? Especially, we just showed the 10-year yield, 2.6% now. That's, that's really you know wind at the sales of, of big cap tech, at least.
0: Yeah, that, that's been kind of a shocking move from three, I don't know where it was, 50-something. That's pretty extraordinary. I, I'm, I'm sort of with the general here. I feel like Things were really, really oversold. And so now they seem to me to be somewhat overbought. I mean, that sentiment going into that, you know, during the middle of June was just horrific. And I think that this bounce back to me seems like typical bear market, very strong bounce back for sure. But I, I hate buying things when they go up by integers at a time, which is what's happening. Things are just kind of in the melt-up phase. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying this, uh, this bounce here. I think more get pain that. to come from the right. economy. When it comes to
2: individual stocks, so Courtney, I'm wondering if you
0: take a look at earnings
2: season and think, you know what, Apple looks even better today than it did 48 hours ago, even with the gains that we've seen um, recently and the gains going into the, the quarter. And I'm wondering if you, if you think about some you know, stocks that have posted earnings in that way, that they're actually buys even if they've gone up on earnings.
4: Yeah, and Apple, I think long-term is a, is a great position to be holding. Um, it still is a little bit more expensive than its longer-term averages, though. I think what was really positive to see is we actually saw like they had increased in their um, – they held up a lot better than we expected in their iPhone sales. So the fact that they have a lot more demand than we expected I think is great. But I think arguably what you're seeing right now is all of these growth and these tech names were the furthest that came down when this downturn happened earlier this year. And now they're the things that are leading the rally. I don't know if that sustains because if we are correct here, there is another leg down. I think you're just seeing this bounce here in tech. I don't know if that's really where you want to be chasing things at the moment.
2: Yeah, Mr. Recession. Let me guess what you think. You think that there's another leg lower here. You take a look at Procter & Gamble. For instance, the consumer no longer wants to pay for price increases. They are pushing back, trading down, and that is showing signs of weakness to come.
1: Should I just give you my final trade? You summed it up pretty good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so,
1: so the, general, the general actually started out talking about the 50-day moving average in individual names, I agree with him there. Uh, I'm going to look at the overall market. Let, let's start from the, the macro market. So the, the, the place where I think we should probably stop is the 100-day moving average in the S&P, 41.22. We're, we closed above that. So I think we just overextended. So mirroring a lot of the, the, the conversation that's already took place, I thought this, this was going to be a sweet spot for the market because you had commodity prices coming in you have big tech uh, earnings uh, come, posting, and you also had the 10-year coming in as well. Not all clear for stocks, but it gave you a window of opportunity to rally the markets. And of course, the market interpreted Powell as trying to maybe pivot at this point. Way too early for him to pivot. If he fails, we don't go into recession. He's not going to fail. I think... Everyone talked about a technical recession. Uh, That's all semantics. We know that growth is slowing. We know that the consumer is feeling a little bit of pain. They haven't felt uh, the the pain that Powell needs to inflict to really curtail the demand that's out there right now. So what happens to the overall market? I think we get a reprieve. I think we, we, you have to realize, snap brought this whole market down we had the apples of the world the amazons Mm -hmm. prove that they're not snap next week we don't have a lot of quality companies that are going to be reporting or i should say melissa we don't have a lot of amazons and apples that will report so i think you can get a little bit of a of a flirting with a down market it's a good place for the market to take a pause and 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 i i do think that the lows are not in just yet all
2: right let's get to uh to Carter. As earnings season passes the halfway point, roughly a quarter of S&P 500 companies have missed estimates. Check out some of today's laggards. Roku down a whopping 23 percent after its report last night. P&G, as we mentioned, sinking six percent. Intel plunging eight and a half percent after posting its worst earnings miss in 13 years. Listen to what CEO Pat Gelsinger had to say about those results today on Tech Check.
1: We missed yesterday. We own that. And uh... You know, a lot of that was the economic, but a lot of that was us and our execution. You know, we're being put firmly accountable uh, for that to our shareholders. At the same time, we'd also say, we made a lot of progress and yes, I need to do better. We need to do better and we will do better.
2: All right, so here's a question. Is the bottom in for some of these laggards? Carter Worth is here to talk through the charts. Carter, what do you see?
5: Well, as always, just as there are great winners, earnings beats, there are always uh, great losers. It's just how the game uh, is played and how the cards, the chips fall. Let's look at a few, the three you mentioned. First, Intel. I mean, one of the oldest rules in the book is just don't buy stocks in downtrends. Every once in a while, it's right to break that, to be a so bad it's good circumstance. But it's rare. And usually you want it to be something that's really plunging as opposed to this, which is just a deliberate and orderly 45 degree angle down and then today of course down 10% again uh, I wouldn't touch this uh, on in any circumstance but look at also this look at Intel's relative performance so the next chart is relative to the S&P I mean talk about down to the right look at a longer term relative this next one is five years that's just Intel as a ratio to the S&P now look at the chart going back to the 1990s. Intel's relative performance peaked in 1999. It's been doing nothing but not rewarding owners on a relative basis to other choices, i.e. the market. I just wouldn't do it. Now, look at, for instance, Procter. Now, Procter had a drop-in gap, but I don't have any lines on that chart. I don't know what you do with it. It's just nothing. Sometimes there's no trade. Procter's, okay, back to where it was a week ago, a month ago. Uh, It's not really doing well, but is it really going to crash from here? No, I'd say no trade, leave it alone. Uh, And then finally, Roku, again, like Intel, if you're just down and down and down, as tempting as it might be to buy, really wait for it to bottom. That's what a bearish to bullish reversal is. That's not what this is. It just plunged. You can see the drop in gap. And if you look at the long-term chart, and this is the real problem, a double top, we're back to the COVID low, just a point or two above. It can't be a good business because it's not a good
2: chart. All right, Carter, thank you. Carter Braxton we'll see you back here in a few for options action. Um, Karen, I'll go to you because some people have made the case that Intel is a turnaround story and you, they've got a new CEO, he's got a plan in place. And, and at what point do you determine that it's a value trade and that there's a turnaround potential and you ignore the charts because what Carter outlined was pretty dismal?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the revenue miss, to me, is really disconcerting. I think, I mean, that that's an enormous miss, obviously. From that flows a lot of other bad things. So uh, I also, given what's happened to the space, which I know it's down a lot, but it is just, you know, they've been such a laggard. And I feel like that sort of uh, once in a, maybe a generation kind of shift from uh, really a market leader to very much a market laggard is really hard to turn around. So as, as, as a value ish, as it may appear, it's, it's not for me. I don't, I don't know that it will be.
2: Yeah. Um, Grasso, any of those charts, stocks look tempting to you?
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm always tempted to do the fireman trade, even though I have that three day rule. When, when you look at a stock like Roku and, and Carter mentioned the pandemic low. I think it, it, it's already broke that low. Uh, it's trading right around there, to his point. If you use that 63.50, uh, which is you have to use a real tight leash on this one, I think you could shoot against that, and maybe you have a, a, a little bit of a rally. I think Procter, just as a standalone, they were reluctant to raise prices, and we've seen we've seen Chipotle raise prices. We, we've seen McDonald's raise prices. I think Procter has to raise prices and i think you see the stock rally from there i would not touch intel you know i've been negative on semiconductors i think we're going into a glut and that chip spill is only going to add to that premise
2: they have i mean proctor has raised prices on on products and i think that's the concern courtney that Mm. that maybe there are these names these consumer staple names they're at the end of, of of their price increases there's only so many times a consumer is willing to pay for toilet paper that costs 3% 3% more, 3% more, 3, whatever the price really?
1: is. Really? Really? Well. You're going to stop paying for toilet paper? <laughs> no, no, no.
2: You might trade down, though, which is what they're saying. You might go to private Trading label.
4: That's exactly what's happening.
2: Right? And that is, that is in part, what they say is happening, Courtney.
4: Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's, it, we're not going to stop buying toilet paper. We're not going to stop buying laundry detergent. but People are starting to trade down to their cheaper alternatives. Um, and I think clearly what you're seeing here is this is showing that inflation is hurting the consumer right now. And I think it's one of those things where- um, ultimately what does this mean for the Fed going forward. It's another one of those items where maybe bad news is good news for the markets overall. So we need to see some sort of- um, weakening in the strength of the consumer or weakening in demand in order to bring down inflation. So we don't want to be brought down so much that it's really gonna turn the economy into recession. But PNG even said they're not seeing that. They said this is a slight decrease that they're seeing in demand. It's not a huge downturn, but they're they're also acknowledging it is there. They don't want to disconcert this as a trend that's happening. Um, a lot of their downturn also was from the shutdowns in China. So I don't think all of this is just the deterioration of the consumer, but that de- you're definitely seeing those inklings of that in there. And I don't think it's something you want to ignore. All right.
2: Um, Tonight, do not miss the CNBC special, The Tech Trade. Two of tech's biggest fund managers, ARK Innovations' Kathy Wood and Satori's Dan Niles, lay out the bull and bear cases for growth in your portfolio. That's tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on CNBC. Coming up, another busy week of earnings on deck. Caterpillar, Starbucks, Zillow, and more. We'll break down how to trade these names for you next. And later, a chart of the week. What can bring this back, this name, back into the black? Yes, that was a clue. Back into the black stick around much more fast money right after this
4: what does it mean to be rich maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life at edward jones our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love because the key to being rich is knowing what counts Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
1: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another busy week of earnings coming up. We'll hear reports from travelers, uh, energy from travel, excuse me, energy, tr- pharma and restaurant names. So we thought this would be a good time to play a little game of... Trade it or fade it. That's right. America's favorite game. Trade it or fade it. So let's kick it off with Caterpillar. Steve, trade it or fade it.
1: This is going to be a traded for me. I, I, yes, I am negative on the overall market, but this one's a habitual beater of uh, on EPS. It, it's beaten on eight in eight straight quarters on EPS. Uh, consensus estimates has EPS up quarter a year over a year ago quarter quarter over a year ago quarter up 15% of the estimates, sales up 11%. This is definitely a trade for me. And one last thing, uh, just to be really quick on this, that chips deal that we had, had nothing to do with Caterpillar, but what it does for corporations, it was the last time that this administration has a shot at raising taxes on corporations. And I think that means a lot to a company like Caterpillar amongst a
3: lot of other corporations. Tailwind traded.
2: Uh, Jeff Mills, what do you say?
3: All right, I'm going to take the other side of this one. I mean, I, I look at stocks like Cat, URI, Deer. A, a lot of these games that have behaved somewhat similarly. They, they've kind of rocketed higher lately, uh, some of which are getting close to that 200-day resistance. I, I agree with Grasso in the sense that cats may be just kind of in between that 50 day and 200 day. so if they do beat on earnings maybe they have a little bit to go until they get to that resistance but i, I showed a chart as a chart of the week a couple of weeks ago it was cat it showed a 30-year chart It was sort of at the top of that channel and starting to hook lower i think that ends up being the trend and again these traditionally cyclical names as we move into the second half of the year i think they're the new laggard so i'd be a seller all right next up starbucks courtney trade it or fade it
4: yeah, I would trade this one. Um, I do think that it is—it um, actually trades at a pretty good valuation right now. And what's really interesting is you're seeing the consumer right now is clearly being pinched by inflation. Um, but Starbucks actually shown that even when they've increased prices, they've had a really loyal customer base as continue to spend there, which I think is really important for them. And also, they're a big China story, where that is a big portion of their sales right now. It's about 12% of their sales are in China. And as China starts to reopen over the longer run, I think that's only going to benefit them. Karen, what do you say?
0: Yeah, so I would be a fader of Starbucks. Um, I agree with Courtney on that the China part is weighing down on it right, right now, but I do think that the consumer is somewhat strapped. And I think they're you know maybe they'll still go to Starbucks, but maybe they just trade down a little bit. And we know that Howard Schultz is in the middle of a, a difficult turnaround that's, that I think is not really taking hold yet, it may. And the multiple though, at, I think it's 29 times, is significantly above the market, and maybe it's cheap relative to where Starbucks has traded in the past, but I I think 29 times is just too much.
2: All right, let's get to Square here. Jeff Mills, trade it or fade it?
3: I'm going to fade this one. I I don't mean to make this a a would you rather, but I think PayPal is good context, right? It's a similar company, but it's higher free cash flow. It's more profitable. It's quality. That's the profile you want right now. And I think at 20 times with those characteristics, I want that versus something that's more reliant on future growth like Square. So it's a fade.
2: You pulled a grass up for one and you did a game within a game. So there are two strikes against you, Jeff Mills.
3: Congrats, Jeff.
4: Courtney what do you say?
3: I said sorry.
4: (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the other side of this also. I think there's just been so much negativity priced in here. It's down 54%, which is significantly lower than where the markets are. And you're also looking at, um, pre uh, as earnings are coming out here shortly, um, there's a really low bar that has to beat. So I think longer term, it does have a lot of opportunities as we look forward. There's still a whole um, electronic payment system abroad that is not, is really has a whole growth potential to go forward, that they can really scale that way. So just given the low bar, I think it might be worth a trade here.
2: All right. Last but not least, Zillow. Karen, this is uh, in your portfolio.
0: It is in my portfolio. So trade it would be the right. um, So uh, clearly it's down for the year, which hasn't been good because of the housing uh, association. But I, I really give this management team a huge, huge pat on the back for getting out of the very asset heavy home owning business. They did a great job of liquidating that. So um, I like what they're doing there. They also have a fantastic balance sheet. They're doing aggressive buybacks. I think the valuation here is attractive. I understand there's absolutely pressure on the housing market, but they are the leader in the space. So trade it.
1: Steve Grasso. Uh, I'm going to fade it. I think Karen's uh, position is going to be in excellent shape longer term. But I I think the damage to the housing uh, industry is probably just beginning So this one is at the pinnacle, or I should say at the epicenter, of that housing industry. It has not been able to get above its 50-day moving average since March. And it just had a, a, a shade of optimism on it, and it failed again. So I think ultimately she's okay. Right now, near term, it's a fade.
2: All right. Coming up, a good week for most stocks, but a very rough week. For one, we will drill down into what is behind this move. (laughs) Another clue. Our chart of the week reveal is next. Now, head on options action, time to jump into Uber. One trader says this name is heading for a U-turn. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq Market Side in Times Square. Back right after this. time to reveal our chart of the week. It is Stanley Black and Decker down almost 16 percent this week after reporting a miss on top and bottom lines in Q2 and slashing guidance nearly in half. It's a stock's worst week since March of 2020. Is this a read through to housing, Karen?
0: Maybe. I mean, this was, this was terrible. The revenue miss. We just talking about the top line miss, of course, leads to bad things all the way through the income statement. So that's bad. But interestingly, uh, Sherwin-Williams also had a miss. So I'm surprised actually that Home Depot and Lowe's didn't take it on the chin from this. St- this, was, this, was, this was bad.
2: Yeah. How do you extrapolate this, Grosso? If, if if at all?
1: Yeah, you know, what's funny is that there's conflicting uh, information when when we're looking at the overall economy. Everyone wants to say that the consumer is in great shape, but that's only going to push Powell to press a little bit harder. And when you look at an individual stock like Stanley Black and Decker, the, by the way, this is not at the pandemic low. It's got it's got a considerable amount of space to get down to the pandemic low. We're just starting to see the cracks in the consumer and this one is definitely indicative of that. And this is a canary in the coal mine for me. So I, so I would think it is a reflective of the overall housing uh, sector as well.
2: All right. Time now for the final trade for this Friday. Let's go around the horn. Karen Feinerman.
0: Yeah. So URI, they absolutely crushed it. Fantastic conference call. However, the 48-point run in the stock in the last six weeks or so, too much. I'm selling some upside calls. Jeff Mills.
3: I'm going to go back to my final trade from last Friday, Danaher. I think it's a really interesting healthcare name. It's broken its recent downtrend. The 50-day is now hooking higher. Earnings were great. I think even if the market rolls over, this one holds up better than most.
4: Courtney Garcia. I looked at EQT. Um, I've really been looking at the energy trade here, and I think this is another name that will likely continue to benefit, especially as natural gas prices are increasing. Steve Grasso.
1: You know that game I love, traded or faded. I'm going to go with my trade, Caterpillar. I think you're going to see great earnings, and I think the role continues Caterpillar. All right, that does it for us tonight. Don't go anywhere.
2: Options Action is up next.